Okay. I am believing this message is going to what Pastor Charles was saying. If you apply it, it can change your life this year. I'm so excited to bring it for the third time today. And uh, I just want you to know, so uh, about 10 years ago, John and I, uh, John was in real estate and I was a probation officer. And about 10 years ago, God spoke to us about being in the ministry and becoming pastors and preaching the gospel and all of that. And it was nothing we ever considered for ourselves, but we knew that God was calling us. And shortly after we received those words that we were gonna be in ministry, I remember sitting in a, a church service and God spoke to me and he said, you're gonna write a message called nevertheless one day. So I wrote that word down in my journal, not really knowing what it meant and I kept circling it. And every time that a new message series came up, I'd be like, oh, is it, is it the time to preach that message? And I never felt released to do it until now. So for 10 years, the word nevertheless has been sitting in my spirit. I didn't really know what the message was gonna be until I actually sat down to write, but I haven't felt released until now to write the message nevertheless. So I'm so excited and I know it's gonna be good, not because I wrote it or prepared it, it's because of the warfare attached around it. Um, so I just need to do a disclaimer. I usually don't do this, but I need to. Uh, so lots of interesting calamities happened last night that were very comical, um, about four or five different things. But the biggest thing that happened last night was I had taken a new medication that I didn't know would uh, not blend well with my current medication. So from 12 a.m. to 5 a.m., I was up. <laughs> so that was fun. Um, <laughs> so I'm running about on two and a half hours of sleep. So if I'm a little shaky, it's not that I'm nervous, I'm actually just shaking. And um, if I fall down, I'm not slain in the spirit, I'm just tired. Um, and, <laughs> and truly, this will be a message uh, that will be fully delivered in the strength of Jesus because I have none left. So anything I say, God is making happen. So if I stumble over my words, it, it might happen a little bit here and there. Again, did not drink a cocktail for breakfast. I just am trying to really focus because my brain wants to go to sleep. But it's gonna be good. So feel slightly bad for me, but it's okay. But not really, but it's gonna be good. And, and I know it, like I felt, so there was so many people that even told me like, oh, I woke up praying for this message today, like something was gonna be different. So I just know God's been waiting for this very moment to speak this message into his people and it's gonna be a great day in the house, amen? All right, so nevertheless, we're in our New You Resolution series. And like they said, it's the, this is the last weekend of, of that series. And throughout this series, we've had Shredder Sunday and then we've had Vision Sunday and now we find ourselves here. And uh, those, the Shredder Sunday and Vision Sunday can kind of be wrapped up in a couple scriptures that we can find in Isaiah 43, 18 through 19. It says, forget the former things. Do not dwell on the past. Behold, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs forth. Do you not perceive it? I will make a way in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. So during Shredder Sunday, we actually wrote down on the things that we wanted to shred. We wanted to leave in the past and not take with us into our futures. We made a faith declaration by shredding those things that God was gonna do something new. And then on Vision Sunday, we wrote those things get down that God had spoken to us, those visions, those dreams that he had given us, believing that this year is going to be the greatest year for us personally, as well as in the life of our church, that God's gonna do a new thing. But when I, I was rereading Isaiah 43, 19, something caught my attention. 
after God reassures us to forget the former things and that behold, he's gonna do something new. It says, now it's gonna spring forth. I'm gonna do something, watch, don't you perceive it? It then immediately follows saying that he will make a way in the wilderness and bring streams in the desert. So he's reassuring us that he's doing something new, but then he wants to let us know that there might be difficulties and challenges and wilderness periods and desert periods ahead. But behold, he's gonna do something new and he's going to make a way. He is going to make a way for those dreams and those visions to come to pass. Nevertheless, the title or the, the definition of nevertheless is this, nonetheless, notwithstanding, however, in spite of, implies that something is true even though there are obstacles or opposing conditions. It applies that something is true even though there are obstacles and opposing conditions. You know, when we, some of us wrote on our vision cards, some of us received a miracle, like right off the bat. We had testimonies and stories of people that were writing things down on their vision cards, and as they're actually writing it, they receive a text message that the deal that they thought was not gonna close ended up closing, and they had a massive breakthrough. In the moment they were writing it down, God delivered on his word. Some of us have already received those dreams and those visions that are coming to pass, but then others of us have been blasted by unexpected challenges, in difficulties. So today I'm here to reassure you that God will make a way in the wilderness and bring streams in the desert, amen? So I wanna encourage you, if this is the year we believe that God is gonna do great things, if this is the year that we believe God has spoken to us about our future and the hope that we have in it, and, and in spite of the obstacles and opposing conditions, we can believe and trust that God promises for us are true, we are going to need to get a little bit of that nevertheless kind of spirit on the inside of us. We've gotta have that nevertheless kind of spirit if we want to see these things come to pass in our lives. So I want us to choose this day collectively. Let's choose this day today to not be double-minded, to not be double-minded and believe that all things are possible with God. In James 1, 6 through 8, it says, but let him ask in faith with no doubting, for he who doubts is like a wave of the sea driven and tossed by the wind. For let not that man suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. He is a double-minded man, unstable in all of his ways. So can we stay the course? Can we believe God when everything in our circumstances look like that it's impossible? Can we not doubt and believe in God's faithfulness when hardship strikes? Or do we fold like a deck chair at the first sign of difficulty? Can we not be double-minded? Because James tells us that our doubt is actually a self-fulfilling prophecy. When we doubt, it's a self-fulfilling prophecy. When we, when we trust, when we ask God, when we believe, we cannot doubt that he's able to make it come to pass. We have to believe that all things are possible with him. Galatians 6, 9, it says, let us not become weary in doing good for at the proper time, you will reap a harvest if we do not give up. We will reap a harvest if we do not give up. So the only way to ensure that we're not gonna reap a harvest is if we give up. I wonder how many dreams and visions have fallen to the ground simply because we gave up too early. We have no idea when our breakthrough is right around the corner because we can't see it coming. But how many of us know that God takes a really long time to move suddenly? 
Isn't it true? He takes such a long time and then he moves suddenly. You may miss out on your suddenly if you give up. Never give up. His word is true. His promises are for you. When he gives you a plan and a dream and a vision for your life, he's going to make it come to pass. He will make a way in the wilderness and streams in the desert. Philippians 3.14. I press on towards the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. It says, I press on. That those words don't sound like they're easy. You have to press. You have to push something. Sometimes you got to push open doors. Sometimes you got to leap over a few hurdles and get some obstacles out of way to take a hold of the upward call, the prize that God has for us. It doesn't say we just sit back and wait for the prize to be handed to us so we can reach our goals. That's not what it says. We need to press on towards the goal. And we can't be surprised when troubles and trials take place. Because James tells us, it says, when you fall into various trials, they're promised, sadly. They're promised that we're gonna have difficulties and challenges in this life. The Bible also says that the rain falls on the just and the unjust. So we can't be caught off guard when trials come. And not just that, we have an adversary. Our enemy, the adversary, is actively opposing God's will happening in our lives. 1 Peter 5, 8 says, Be sober-minded, be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. And then John 10, 10 says, The thief does not come except to steal, to kill, and to destroy. But I have come that you may have life and have it more abundantly. So I'm here to tell you that trials and obstacles are not necessarily a sign from God that it's not his will. Some of us hit a little bump in the road, a little challenge. We face a storm and then we conclude that it must not be God's will for our, will for our life. That could be nothing farther from the truth. Everything that we have, John and I have won in this life, had victory in it, came through a fight, a fight of faith. That's why it's called the fight, the good fight of faith. It doesn't come easy. I wish it did. But every financial breakthrough, every healing breakthrough has come through prayer, through battling in faith. And I wish I could tell you that everything isn't such a fight, but we've had to fight for financial breakthrough in our lives. And sometimes that's frustrating because I just want lots of money but you have to fight the good fight of faith. It's a fight. So just because there are obstacles and challenges and someone withstanding you does not mean that it's not God's will. You have to keep pressing on. And to show you an example of this in scripture, there's a story in Mark 4, if you want to read it later, but it's the story of the storm. So Jesus tells the disciples to get into the boat because they need to cross over to the other side because there's someone over there that needs deliverance and healing. So it was Jesus' idea, so it's God's will, right, that they all get in the boat. But then Jesus goes to sleep, and a great storm rises up. It says that the waves were overtaking the boat, and the water was filling the boat, and they were about to sink. They knew they were going to perish, and then they went to Jesus, and they're like, Jesus, how could you be sleeping at a time like this? Do you not care that we're perishing? And they wake him up. They wake him up, and he stands up, and he looks at the storm. He says, peace, be still. And he calms the storm. You know, I think Jesus was able to sleep in that moment because he knew the power that was on the inside of him. 
But did you know the Bible says that the same power that's in Jesus, the same power that raised Jesus from the dead lives in us. So if we could grab a hold of that truth, we would, when storms look like they're gonna overtake us, it doesn't have to shake us. It doesn't have to shake our faith. It doesn't have to make us fear. We don't have to be anxious and we don't have to worry. We can have peace in the middle of the storm because we know we have the authority to calm it with the words that come out of our mouth. And I think sometimes God makes it seem like he's sleeping because he wants us to wake up. He wants us to wake up and use the authority and the power that we have that lies on the inside of us. I think sometimes we need to stop telling God how big our storm is and tell the storm how big our God is, amen? We need to understand our authority. So we cannot give up at the first sign of difficulty or resistance and conclude that it must not be God's will. We need to press on. God wants to raise up a nevertheless generation. I wanna read a story in Luke 5, one through eight. It says, so it was, as the multitude pressed about him, Jesus, to hear the word of God, that he stood by the lake of Gennesaret and saw two boats standing by the lake. But the fishermen had gone from them and were washing their nets. Then he got into one of the boats, which was Simon's, and asked him to put it out a little from the land. And he sat down and taught the multitudes from the boat. When he stopped speaking, he said to Simon, launch out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. But Simon answered and said to him, Master, we have toiled all night and caught nothing. Nevertheless, at your word, I will let down my net. And when they had done this, they caught a great number of fish and their net was breaking. So they signaled to their partners in another boat to come and help them. And they came and filled both boats. So they began to sink. When Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. So let me just give you some context to this story. So fishermen essentially worked the night shift. They would go out at night and fish because at that time, the fish could not see the net coming and they were, it would make for an easier catch. But at night, can you imagine, they're toiling all night amongst the wind, the rain, the cold, the dark, they're tired and they have to cast out the nets all night long and then drag them back in, collect the fish, cast it out, pull it back in. It was very strenuous work. And just as the sun begins to rise, they're putting their boats to shore and they're exhausted and all they wanna do is go home and sleep because they know they've gotta do it all over again the next night. They still have to mend and clean their nets because if there's any holes in the nets, the fish can, can get away. And so they're mending their nets and they're cleaning their nets, just looking forward to getting home and taking a nap. And just as they're finished mending their nets, Jesus says, Simon, launch out into the deep for a catch. Can you imagine as a fisherman, you're like, really, Jesus? Like, we're done, we're done. We're going home, we're tired. And by the way, it's the middle of the day. It's hot now, the fish are all sleeping. They're not, I mean, they're gonna see the nets coming. This is pointless. And if we do this, we're not gonna get any rest before we have to do it all over again. But instead, he's like, in spite of the circumstances, in spite of the challenges, in spite of what looked impossible, he said, nevertheless, nevertheless, at your word, I will let down my net. And they caught a great catch. So much so it was one of the greatest catches they ever had because they said yes to their nevertheless moment. When you trust God, he's gonna make a way. He's gonna make a way. He's gonna get you through the wilderness and he's gonna bring streams in the desert. Nevertheless, obey his word. 
And do you not think that if God asks you to step out in faith, do you not think he has a plan to make it come to pass? God always has a plan for his purposes in your life. He will always make a way. Jeremiah 1.12 says that he is watching over his word to perform it. He's, how amazing. He's watching over his promises for you. The words he's spoken to you, he is watching over them to make a way. He's watching over his word to you to perform it in your life. His word cannot fail. So do not doubt what you heard in faith when faced with fear. Don't doubt what you heard in faith when faced with fear. And one other thing, please do not let analysis give you paralysis. Have you heard that? You hear a word from the Lord and you just overanalyze it to death and you try to figure out how it's all gonna work and you're waiting to take that first step until God shows you what that next step is and you you want God to lay out the whole plan. On this date, this breakthrough is gonna happen. On this date, this house is gonna close and on this date, your kid's gonna get, like, and people are waiting for the plan to all be laid out before they take their first step. If we had, God never works that way. If you can find a, a story in the Bible where God told someone everything before they made their first move, please fill me in because I don't think he works that way because where is faith? The Bible says it's impossible to please God without faith and faith is where the miraculous happens. So he's looking to you for, to obey the word. He, all he's gonna do is give you a word and then you need to step out in faith and then he's gonna unfold the plan as you go but he's not gonna tell you the whole plan when he asks you to move. Here's an example of this in Genesis 12, one through four. It says, now the Lord had said to Abram, Get out of your country, from your family and from your father's house to a land I will show you. I will make you a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great and you shall be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and I will curse him who curses you. And in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. So Abram departed. So Abram departed as the Lord had spoken to him. It doesn't say that Abraham got on Google and started searching up the cost of the homes in the area that God was gonna send him. Doesn't say he researched the atmosphere, the climate in that area. He didn't then go check his bank account to make sure he could afford the homes of the, the price range that God was sending him to. God told him nothing. God just said for him to go to get out and go and to take his family. And God also didn't tell him how or when he was gonna bless him. He's just saying, I will bless you, but he didn't say next week, next year. All he had was a word from the Lord, but he stepped out and he obeyed. And he was able to do that with courage and with strength because he knew it was God because God had given him the word and he didn't have to fear about provision or protection because God was in the plan. God was in the plan. And when he has a plan for your life, he has provision to make it come to pass. Amen? Amen. This is an easy way to remember it. If God asks you to obey, trust that he'll make a way. If God asks you to obey, trust that he's gonna make a way. I wanna share our story again with you and some of you may know it, but it's very fitting to share again today. So like I said earlier, before we were in ministry, John was in real estate and I was in probation and um, I just had two babies in 12 months and so I wasn't working. And uh, we were doing really well um, financially and in our late 20s, we purchased 13 different homes. 
all at the same time. So I don't know what bank in their right mind would do that to give, give late, <laughs> two people in their late 20s 13 properties. But anyways, we own 13 properties. And uh, I think we, understand, we came to understand the meaning of don't put all your eggs in one basket. Because when the market crashed, it was like, ah. <laughs> so we had 13 properties that just started tanking. And all the renters of those properties weren't able to pay their rent. And so John and I at the time had about $300,000 in our savings account. And um, so we just started paying on all these mortgages, trying not to lose the properties. But then we watched that $300,000 dwindle down to just a couple hundred dollars. And at this time, we had to let all of these properties go, except we were trying to fight to keep our own home. And we were, you know, trying to do the modification process. We were going through all that. It was 18 months, about a two-year process. And every step of the way, we felt to fight to keep our home. We never felt released to let the home go. But there came a time we really had to make a decision. And it was at a time where John was here in San Diego, and I was with some girlfriends at a conference out of state. And he called me and was like, babe, we really need to make a decision. And so why don't I'll pray and you pray, and then I'll talk to you later today. And so I told my girlfriends, like, well, let's pray. And as they're praying, what I thought at the time was just, I was just thinking, but what I realize now, it was actually God was giving me a vision. And as they were praying, I saw us in the backyard of a house that wasn't our own, and the boys were both playing and having fun, and we were all smiling. And I saw... Um, I saw the house in the vision, I saw the view, I saw, and what really stood out to me in the vision was, was this white fence that surrounded the house. And so my, my girlfriend's like, did you see anything when we were praying? So I'm describing all these, I was like, oh yeah, actually I saw this and, and, the, and I saw the white fence. I was like, but it's not wood and it's not metal. I don't know what it is, but it's shiny. And so I'm like describing in detail like what I saw. And then I called John and he too got a vision of him barbecuing in this backyard with a view and a house that wasn't ours. And we were all happy. So at that time, we just both felt like, oh my gosh, we have such a peace that God's going to take care of us if we let go of our house. That we're going to be happy somewhere else. And this other place else is beautiful. And, but at the time, it didn't make any sense to let go of our home because we had zero money in our bank account. We couldn't have a deposit for a rental. We had just lost, you know, 13 properties. So our credit was terrible, which is now good, by the way. But it was terrible. And um, we're thinking, this is crazy. If we let go, we're literally going to be homeless. We have no money. We're like getting grocery cards from family members to survive right now. And, um, but we were just like, we just felt the word of the Lord say, let go of the house. So in spite of the circumstances, in spite of our fears and our concerns and our financial situation, we had a nevertheless moment. And we called the bank and we said, we want to uh, short sell the house to let it go. Within three hours... We had told no one that we were going to let go of the house. Within three hours, my husband gets a phone call from a family member. And they said, I was just talking to my neighbor, and I was telling him about your situation. And they're actually moving. So if you guys do decide to let go of your house, he would love to rent you their home at a price that you can afford. He doesn't care that you don't have a deposit, and he doesn't care about your credit. Can I tell you, that home that we were able to move into, we had a nice home, but the home we were able to move into was way nicer than the one we had to leave behind. And can I tell you, it was the very house that John and I saw in the vision. And the shiny white fence I found, it was vinyl. It was a vinyl shiny white fence, that's what it was. Can you believe how good God is? 
In the midst of our uncertainty, we got a word from the Lord and we knew we needed to obey because, and here's the thing, when he gives you a word, like I said, he has a plan to make it come to pass. You don't know what it is yet, but trust him. He is good. He is for you. He will not let you fail. And in that same season, so we moved into this beautiful new home. It was such a blessing. And John was still doing some real estate on the side and he was expecting a commission of $24,000, which is actually what we needed to get through the year with our bills. And then we found out that that deal fell through. And so we had no idea how we were going to make up this $24,000. And then at the same time, we were having our vision builders pledge at church, which is something we commit to every year that's above our tithe. We commit an offering to give to God's house, God's house, sorry, to um, build his church to buy new churches in other locations, to give to missions, to make sure we can have an incredible youth ministry to get people saved. So we're always wanting to commit even more above and beyond. And it, we're sitting there already $24,000 short for the year, not knowing how we're gonna do that. And God speaks to both John and I. He says, I want you to commit $6,000 to Vision Builders. And I'm like, God, I already need 24. <laughs> So now we need 30. <laughs> but we, we knew it. We were like, well, God knows. He knows our situation. But he's asking us to be obedient. And so we wrote down $6,000 on that card knowing that God somehow would have to miraculously provide $30,000 for us to make a way. And I'll tell you this, three weeks later, as John and I were sitting at our table opening our mail for the evening, that we opened up a check for just shy of $30,000 from the state of California. Apparently what happened, they were doing a random review of our accounts and they realized they overcharged us $30,000 three years prior. And so they were refunding us the money. So we called our attorney, we're like, is this legal? Is this legit? And he was just like, here's the thing. This is a miracle. The state of California is broke. You better cash that thing. So we went straight down to the bank and cashed that $30,000 check. So we had another nevertheless moment. In spite of all our circumstances looking like this would be impossible, if God speaks to you, he has a plan to make a way. You have to step out in faith and trust him. Did you know that God up in heaven never has an oh crap moment? Did you know that? God is never up in heaven going, oh crap. I cannot believe they actually believed me and committed that money. How am I gonna get them 30 grand? God never says, oh crap, up in heaven. If, if you are obedient to his word, he's gonna make a way to see it come to pass. He's gonna make a way in the wilderness and bring streams in the desert. We just need to step out and trust him. God always has a plan and provision for his purposes in your life. When we look at the life of Moses, remember Moses, God comes to him and says, Moses, I want you to go before Pharaoh and I want you to um, command him to let my people go. And Moses like, I, I don't even speak well. I have speaking problems. I am inadequate, but nevertheless, I'll do what you're asking me to do. And because he did it, we know that he was able to convince Pharaoh to release his people. But before Pharaoh released the people, do you think it caught God by surprise when Pharaoh said no? Do you, don't you think God had a plan with the 10 plagues to make Pharaoh move his hand to release the Israelites? Do you think it caught God off guard when they were standing, when they finally left and they were standing at the, the shoreline of the Red Sea, not knowing where they're gonna go and the Egyptian army is pursuing them from behind? 
Do you not think God didn't have a plan that he, ha- he knew he was gonna have to part the Red Sea, bring a strong wind to come across and dry the land so the Israelites can walk across on dry land? Do you not think God didn't have a plan to then have the waves come crashing back down on the Egyptian army and swell up the army in one wave, one crash? Do you not think God did not have a plan to provide for them throughout the 40 years they wandered in the wilderness? The Bible says that God provided manna from heaven. Every day, manna from heaven came down so they had enough food for every day. And the Bible says that their clothes did not wear out for 40 years, nor did they get blisters on their feet from the wandering of 40 years. Do you not think God has a plan to make a way when he asks you to be obedient to his word? And then the life of Joseph. Remember Joseph, he had a dream. Joseph had a dream. Do you think God didn't have a plan of how he was gonna get him out of the pit or how he was gonna get him out of prison? to put him into the palace, to lead an entire nation through a famine. At any moment, Joseph could have given up on the dream. The time when his brothers threw him in the pit and then decided to sell him into slavery. He could have been filled up with bitterness and unforgiveness and given up on the dream. Or what about when he was wrongfully accused of rape and thrown into prison? And then once in prison, he was forgotten. There was so many opportunities for Joseph to to lose heart, to give up on the dream, to stop believing that God was gonna make a way for it to come to pass. We said, nevertheless, no matter how bad my circumstances look and no matter what was done wrong to me, I know that God can work all things together for good. And he kept believing and kept fighting and he saw the dream come to pass. What about the widow? The widow and her son in Zarephath. Remember her? So she had, they were in a famine again, a little bit of oil, a little bit of flour. And it said they were gonna bake one last cake and they were gonna eat it and they were gonna die. They had nothing left. They were literally at the point of death. But then the man of God walks in and says, why don't you make a cake for me first before you eat your last cake and die? Provide for me first. Bring your finance, bring your possessions to me first, to God's house first, and watch what I'm gonna do for you. So in spite of her dire circumstances, in spite of the fact they were literally on the brink of death, she believed and she trusted God. She said yes to God in her nevertheless moment. And because she said yes, God miraculously provided for her throughout the rest of the famine. It said the oil and the flour never ran dry throughout the remainder of the famine. How incredible is our God? He has a plan. He has a plan to make a way for you. What about beautiful Hannah, who was barren, who was just stricken with grief at the thought that she could not bear a child? But in spite of the fact that she was barren and in spite of the fact that she received that diagnosis, she said, nevertheless, I'm gonna believe God. I'm gonna believe God that he can open my womb. And it says she went to the house of God and she prayed and she petitioned the Lord. And then it said, and then she worshiped, believing that she was gonna receive our miracle. And the Bible says that the Lord remembered Hannah and she conceived and bore a son. I wanna tell you today that no, no matter what your medical diagnosis is, or maybe you've been barren, nevertheless, God is able. Nevertheless, trust in him. In the midst of your despair, trust in him, and he can make a way for those dreams and those visions to come to pass in your life. You know, all these people experience the goodness and faithfulness of God because they said yes to their nevertheless moment. So I wanna ask, what's God asking you to do? in faith. What thing is he asking you to do? What dreams and visions has he put in your heart? And you want to believe him. You want to believe that it's possible. And you want to trust him. But that little nagging uncertainty, that voice 
keeps trying to discourage you. Don't let the devil bring doubt to the dreams that were sown in faith. Don't let the devil bring doubt to the dreams that were sown in faith. And as I wrote that down, God reminded me of this song. Remember this? Don't stop believing. Hold on to that feeling. Street lights, people. Don't stop believing. Hold on to that feeling. You need to hold on to that feeling that you had when God spoke that word to you in faith. Remember how it felt? Remember how it felt when God said, he's gonna do this in your world. Remember how you felt before doubt started to creep in? Hold on to that feeling, that feeling that consumed you, that actually made you feel in that moment that the impossible become possible with you, with God. Hold on to that feeling. Don't let doubt creep in. Don't let the enemy rob you with doubts, what God sowed in your heart in faith. So what's your nevertheless moment? Despite some uncertainties that you may face, what is God asking you to do? Where everything in your circumstances said, don't do it, it's not a good idea, but you know God has spoken to you. Has God asked you to maybe start a business this year, but you're scared to death? Or maybe God is asking you to end a business relationship that's not healthy, but you don't want to because you're worried about what you're gonna do. Those nevertheless moments. Has God asked you to maybe write a book this year? Has God asked you to end a relationship? Even in despite of the fact that you wanna be with them, God's asking you to end it. Will you trust him? To maybe not marry that person because you think the dream of the marriage will, will die. God has a plan. He has the best plan. Or what if God's asking you to give up dating for a season and just heal your wounded heart and not rush into the next relationship? What if, what if God's asking you to step out this year and buy a home, but you're fine, everything's screaming at you, impossible. Nevertheless, if God's spoken, he's gonna make a way. What if God's asking you to continue to believe in faith even though you haven't gotten your healing yet? Or continue to pray and believe and have hope that your children that are addicted to drugs will come off of drugs. Nevertheless, you're gonna keep pressing in and believing in faith. What about you young people who are in school and all of your friends are doing these things and you know it's not in obedience to God's word? Are you gonna be able to stand up and stand your ground and say, nevertheless, in spite of what you're gonna say about me, how you're gonna make fun of me, what you're gonna do, I am gonna stand my ground. Because nevertheless, God has an incredible plan for my life and I'm not about to screw it up with that. What if God's asking you to stay in the city of San Diego, even though your current salary doesn't seem to support the ability to stay here? God's gonna make a way. He will not let you fail. Are you still able to trust in his plans when your husband or wife walks out the door and leaves you brokenhearted? <sighs> oh my gosh, and that, that is, I can't even imagine the grief. God sees, God sees you. And he knows where your heart is at and he knows that you're hurting. And he's longing to just minister to you and to fill you with hope 
that he has a beautiful plan for your future. Trust him. He's going to make a way in the wilderness, in streams in the desert. So when those difficulties come, can we be a people that says, nevertheless, at your word. And when doubt creeps in, nevertheless, I will trust you. Do you know God did not ask Simon to launch out into the deep and to cast down his nets for a great catch to have him fail? God would never give you a word, speak a dream into your heart to have you step out in faith and then stand by and watch you stumble. God asked Simon, despite everything telling him it was crazy, God asked him to step out in faith because God had a plan to make a way for a miraculous catch, for miraculous provision, to see the power of God move in his life. God is not gonna let you fail when you step out and believe his word. He will not let you fail. The Bible says that God is for you. He's not against you. The Bible says that God has a plan for your life, a future and a hope, not evil plans, but good plans to give you a hope and a future. And the Bible says that if God is for us, who or what can be against us? Who or what can stand against us? We have the God of the universe at our back. He's got our back. He will not let you fail. One of my favorites, favorite nevertheless verses is found in Matthew 26, 39. It's the night before Jesus was to be betrayed and handed over to be crucified. He was in the Garden of Gethsemane, and it, the Bible says that he was in so much agony that he was actually sweating drops of blood. Just so much agony and pressure to think about the fact of what was ahead, that he would be betrayed, handed over, that his back would be whipped almost to the point of death, that his beard would be plucked out, that a crown of thorns would be put on his head, and then he would be taken to the cross where nails would be put through his hands and his feet to be crucified, to take your sin and my sin upon him. And the Bible says this, he went a little farther and fell on his face and prayed saying, oh my father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but you will, but as your will. And nevertheless, not my will, but your will. I thank God that in spite of everything, the horror, the agony that he was about to face, he was able to look at that and say, nevertheless, I've got to do this because of my great love for you and I. I thank God that he had that moment where he was able to say, nevertheless, I'm going to do this because I love them so much and I don't want them to perish. I want them to live an eternity in heaven with me and not spend eternity separated from me in hell. He did that for you because he loved you and he wanted to give you an opportunity to be saved, to receive forgiveness, to get a hope and a future and a destiny and a purpose for your life. He did all of that for you. And I'd love if everyone just bow their heads and close their eyes right now. So maybe you're here and you've never actually received that gift of salvation. You didn't even know that the penalty of our sin is death and Jesus took that penalty on himself for you so you didn't have to. 
You may not have even known that God has an incredible plan for your future, but I'm here to tell you that he loves you so much and he wants to start a relationship with you today. So if you have never received Jesus as your savior, or maybe you once did, but you took your life back, no one's looking around, everyone's heads are down. If you could just slip your hand up so I can see you because I wanna be able to include you in my prayer. If that's you and you know you need Jesus to come into your world, will you just lift up your hand so I can see it and then just put it back down? I see your hand here, sir, on the edge. Beautiful. Thank you, Lord. Any others? I see your hand over there in the, the red sweatshirt. I see you. Thank you, God. Up in the back, that last row, I see your hand. Beautiful. And off to the side in the back, I see you. We're just going to wait because I know God's really moving on hearts. I see you. I see you off to the side there. Anyone else? And just so you know, most of the people in this room, I see your hand there. I see you. Have made this decision before, and right now they're praying for you. They're praying that you'll make your decision, that you'll say yes to your nevertheless moment, that in spite of what others may think, what your family may think, in despite of some of the questions you still have, you know that you need to say yes to Jesus. This is your nevertheless moment. A few more moments we're gonna just give those who are still wrestling with that decision. And if your heart is still racing and you're a little bit nervous, I don't want to give you any more time to stress. So I'm just going to count to three. And if your heart is racing and you know you need to respond, just shoot your hand up on the count of three. One, two, three. I see your hand off to the side there. Beautiful. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. I see your hand right next to the sound booth. I see you. Thank you, God. God, you are so good. This is such a powerful moment. I see your hand. Beautiful, ma'am. Thank you, Jesus. All right, I'd love if everyone would just stand to their feet. And there, you know, honestly, there were so many of you. I'm not going to be able to pray with each one of you personally. And uh, I, I just want to give you the opportunity to be prayed for. And we want to give you a gift. So I would love if those of you who raised their hand in a moment, in a moment, and everyone's going to stay in the building. We're not. This is a very powerful moment for everyone. It's a very sacred moment. So we're going to stay and, and just continue to pray and cheer those people on. And we're all going to stay in our seats. But if that is you, in a moment, we're going to cheer. And I want you to come down and meet me in the front. And I want to pray for you and give you a gift. So if right now the band's just going to sing a song, and if that was you, you raised your hand or you know you needed to, please come down and meet us down the front, and everyone else is going to be cheering you on. Come on.
proud of you. I know sometimes that can be really difficult, but I just want you to know this is the greatest decision you will ever make. The reason you, or the, the day you discover why you were born, it's so powerful. And God's gonna do something new in your life from this moment forward. And I'm just gonna pray a simple prayer and I would love all of you just to repeat after me and everyone in the, in the whole building is gonna repeat after me as well so you're not alone. Can we do that? All right, dear Heavenly Father, thank you today that I am saved. I thank you for your forgiveness and your grace and a fresh start. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. Help me live a life following you. Today I declare that I am your child, that heaven is my home, and that you are my father. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So good. And we want, we want to make sure to give you a gift and answer any questions that you have. So we have beautiful Kimmy right here. If We're only going to take like a minute and a half, two minutes, and we're going to give you a gift. If you can just turn and just follow her right here, you're going to go into the response lounge and get your gift. So proud of you. Let's cheer them on as they go. This is what church is all about. Amen, amen. And now I just want, I want to, as they're going and being prayed for, I want to just pray a prayer over you. If you feel like you are facing a challenge, a struggle, and you feel stuck, you feel like, oh, you're in that place where you kind of want to give up, but God is telling you today, nevertheless, trust in Him. I want to pray right now that your breakthrough is on its way. So if that's you, just lift both hands in the air and people around you might put their hand on your shoulder and we're just gonna pray and believe that God is moving on your behalf. So God, right now, I thank you for each and every hand lifted. God, I thank you that you are their good heavenly Father, God, that you are gonna make a way for them in the wilderness and bring streams in the desert. God, I thank you right now that you have a plan and for your purposes in their life, Father God, that you are not gonna leave them to fail. God, but you are for them, you are not against them. And right now we come against the enemy, his plans and his schemes to prevent God God's will happen in your life. And right now we declare that he is defeated, that he is under our feet, that he has no power, he has no authority to mess with the children of the most high God. So right now we declare in faith, believing that courage is rising, that faith is rising, that strength is rising, no matter what they face, in spite of everything, nevertheless, they will stand on your word and believe that you will not fail them. God, fill them with faith this morning. God, that they would just trust in you during this time. And Lord, as they wait for your promises to come to pass in their life, Lord, fill them with the peace that surpasses all understanding as they wait on your power and your might. In the name of Jesus, we pray and the church said, amen.